Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Salmon Trout Steel Letter podcast today. I have a special guest from Oregon and Southern Oregon in particular from Sawyer Ores. Zach Kaufman is here with me today. Zach, why don't you tell us about what you do for Sawyer and where you're located? Well, thank you very much, Lucas. Uh, like Lucas said, my name is Zach Kaufman with Sawyer Paddles and Ores. And um, currently I'm the CEO of the company. Um, Sawyer has gone through a few few change of ownerships in its last uh, 55 years of operation. You know, our founder, Ralph Sawyer, started the company back in 1967 in a little town of Rogue River. And since then, it's only moved to the small town of Talent, Oregon. So we've been an Oregon-based company that whole time. And we've been through a couple of different owners. And currently, we have a, uh, a trifecta partnership in, in the ownership of the company. So my, my official title is the CEO, and that mainly means I'm just the chief administrator of the company. And the two other partners are our uh, production supervisor and our uh, quality control supervisor. So basically two of the partners are in the, in the shop getting goopy every day and uh, making all of our product. And then I pretty much uh, work closely with our sales and marketing team and uh, make sure that all our shipping and receiving um, you know, gets orchestrated daily. And um, yeah, so that's a little short bit of uh, what I do and uh, where we are at. And um, yeah, we're pretty much uh, you know, manufacturing paddles and oars uh, for everything human powered on water. And uh, you know, drift boat companies are definitely a large, uh, large customer base of ours. We definitely uh, build quite a few oars for a lot of the boat builders around the Pacific Northwest and around the, the country. And, um, and then we also build, you know, kayak paddles, SUP paddles, canoe paddles are really where, where we started. Like our founder, Ralph Sawyer was a, uh, was a marathon canoe racer, which is not something you hear a lot about here in the West. But, um, so that was really his passion. And, uh, he, uh, he actually, you know, was racing canoes, moved out West here. He was going to make canoe paddles and canoes and immediately found that the the rivers of the west were a little bit swifter and uh, steeper with a lot more rocks than uh, the lakes of the Midwest. So he just shifted away from canoes and went strictly to paddles. And then shortly thereafter, in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, we uh, started making oars due to the persistence of uh, the founder of Willie Drift Boats. You know, they also started here in the in the southern Oregon area around the same time. And so... Uh, you know, Ralph and, and Willie got together and uh, kind of just started making wooden paddles and wooden oars. And um, the first oar that Ralph made was the Sawyer Light. And uh, the Sawyer Light is still in production today uh, with a few, a few, few changes and adaptions from uh, where it started. But uh, that is the original oar pattern of Sawyer. And uh, and also the foundry for a foundation for a lot of our of our newer models that are that are also very popular. So that's really cool. Now, one of the things um, you know, you just mentioned one of your partners involved in quality control, and one of the things that I appreciate about Sawyer, um, obviously beyond the looks and the quality and stuff, is uh, you actually do have an Oregon manufactured process. Does that make it difficult with the competition these days? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, 
you know, being a, an organ-based, a U.S.-based manufacturing company um, does have its challenges. You know, obviously there's folks that are sourcing their their products overseas to cut costs on on labor and materials and such. But um, you know, a lot of that is really that being being manufactured in the U.S. and and primarily sourced in the U.S. As far as you know, our raw materials, you know, our 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 uh, Douglas firs come from the Pacific Northwest. You know, I mean, our ponderosa pine, our our um, western red cedars. That's all so sourced here in the in the Pacific Northwest, and so. A lot of the woods that are the foundation of Sawyer are here in the Pacific Northwest as well, and and so you know as a, as an organ-based manufacturer, you know we do pretty much have a lot of our manufacturing abilities within our own control. Like we're not waiting on somebody to ship us a container or something, you know. And um, but because of that, we also can't just increase our output because the demand has changed. And, sure. and so, you know, I mean, that handcrafted product, it, uh, it does take some time, you know? I mean, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is just a, a square top or a paddle with some fiberglassing on it from raw material wood to finished product out of the varnish room, out of the rope wrapper, and then labeled and tagged that process itself is anywhere from 14 on the real speedy side to 20 to 25 days on on a normal cycle so like a you know a run of square tops basically we can only produce x amount of those every month and um and yeah and then and then the other thing is is that yes they are as you mentioned they're handcrafted so, you know, that's uh, we think of it as, uh, you know, the, the ores that, that we're shaping out of wood are like, like how they shape surfboards, you know. The, our, our guys that work in the back are, are very, very seasoned craftsmen, and they basically are shapers. You know, they take a, a you know, a 10-quarter a plank of solid white ash and, uh, you know, jigsaw, cut it out, and then put it on the lathe, put it on the on the planer and once they get it roughed out, then, you know, there's just hours and hours on the sanders, basically shaping the product and getting that raw wood piece to to what that, that foundation core needs to be. Then it moves on, like some of the products like the Sawyer Light and, and the Smoker Drifter, those are more of a wood-based product that don't get a lot of, you know, they don't get any fiberglassing, but they do get some extra, you know, pro tips and stuff like that. But those products pretty much stay in, in the woodworking part of the shop, go into tipping, then into varnish, and, and then rope wrap and they're done. Where, where it gets to be more time-consuming is kind of the hybrid product that people have really grown to love these days is like the products like our square tops because it goes through that same process of the woodworking and has to get all that all that you know all the lathe work all the planer work all the different glue ups gets shaped then from there it goes into into overwrap on the shaft 
then it comes back to shaping, then it goes into the glassing station and gets over glassed on the blade via either fiberglass or carbon or both, depending on what the, what the flavor is going to be. Um, a lot of different unidirectional carbons and fiberglasses that we use for reinforcement. And so that's a lot of that process, you know, where, you know, a square top may stay in the glassing department for, for the whole week, you know, from basically getting one side prepped, the other side prepped, one side done, the other side done, going back into finish, going into cut, going back into redo, you know, and, and so that whole process takes quite a bit of time. And then pretty much every ore product goes into the tipping station before it goes into finished product. And, you know, so every, every ore we make, except for a utility ore, gets a pro tip on it. And, and a handful of paddles get pro tips on them as well. And so the Sawyer Pro Tip is really kind of what protects every, every ore blade and every paddle tip. And, um, you know, it's a very, a very heavy-duty material that uh, takes a lot of that uh, abuse of abrasion and uh, impact resistance. And uh, that's very key to when you're building a product out of wood. Totally. You know, that's what, that's what amazes me. I have a couple things here. Uh, maybe one more of a statement and then some questions here with it. The statement being that when you look at the the beauty of Sawyer ores, um, I mean, the, the quality the quality of wood, the quality of craftsmanship, the fact that you guys are um, <clears throat> working with both like um, uh, Northwest Woods as well as graph, uh, carbon fiber and fiberglass is something that is obviously labor intensive from the way that you described it. Um, however, what I have noticed with Sawyer is for how beautiful they look and, and all that, they seem to still be somewhat reasonable on pricing, even though they're a USA product. So what I'm wondering is how do you guys manage to get such a quality product, but not have to go to ridiculous pricing? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's a challenge to uh, you know stay stay within the in the market parameters, and um, you know, as 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 a U.S. manufacturer, you know, when it comes down to to the you know the retail store, the the end consumer not, is not necessarily just you know looking for a U.S. manufactured product. They're looking, you know, they're they're basically buying on price and performance of the product. So it's really, you know, we've just kind of went with a holistic approach to, you know, build the brand and build, build the, uh, you know, really the, the, uh, the kind of the concept of what you get with Sawyer. And, and that in turn kind of helps us kind of gauge where, you know, where our pricing is. You know, obviously there's, there's a lot of our, there's a lot of our ores that people would say that they're very expensive and priced out of what their range is, but we also have several ores that compete directly with ores that are shipped in from overseas and ores that are mass produced in fiberglass plants. And, um, you know, so, I mean, we basically have a wide variety. And so the biggest thing with Sawyer is that we've, uh, we try to cover you know, three different levels of pricing and knowing that, 
you know, obviously somebody who's just getting started is not necessarily going to be looking to make the investment that a, you know, full-time guide is. And so, you know, by, by putting the performance features in there and getting people to buy on performance versus price is, is really the, the huge difference for us is just, um, you know, we, we work, we work primarily with, with small mom and pop brick and mortar shops that, you know, have, have sales folks that can explain the features of our product to, to their customers. And, um, you know, as long as you understand the features, it, the features justify the price. And, and, you know, and that's a lot of it. And then, you know, there's not, um, the blending of woods and composites, there are definitely a lot of composite ore manufacturers and there are very few wood ore manufacturers, but the blending of woods and composites are, are key. Well, that to me um, seems like the part that sets you guys apart in such a major fashion. I always, before I was really familiar with Sawyer, and kind of learn more about it. I always knew that they were, you know, gorgeous, beautiful ores, but I thought kind of more, you know, kind of an artisan look for easy going rivers and stuff. Come to find out, looking at what you guys have done in carbon fiber and fiberglass in combination, which by the way, two very different materials, Doug fir is not a hardwood. And, um, right. and as you know, there wood has all that expandability and, and, shrinkage opportunities and so you guys are working with two different materials working them together like you said lots of carbon fiber manufacturers on the market but that mixture of wood and carbon fiber is unique when did you guys start adding other materials into your ores well you know i mean one of the one of the uh not so known parts of the manufacturing of the square top which was really Really, something that was was a concept that was developed by one of the past owners of Sawyer, Bruce Bergstrom, was really the one that came up with the whole concept, and it really came out of the the original Furlam Dynalite, which was a laminated fur shaft similar to the Sawyer Light, and then the Dynalite blade which was basically similar to the Dynalite blade, but built onto an ore shaft instead of just as a blade. So if you figure the Sawyer light existed, the Dynalite blade existed, and Bruce kind of came to this point where he was like, hey, if we put these two together, then we can make something a little bit nicer than, than the wood ore that people are, are not using as much. I want to get stay competitive in the market. And so... That ore was produced and in turn was an immediate hit. And it was basically, you had that nice lightweight Dynalite blade and that soft flex of, of that um, laminated dug fur shaft on a Sawyer light. And people love those. But the, the uh, real issue with those is people are like, man, these are super light and the swing weight is so nice. I just really like this ore. But it wasn't really beefy. And so it really, just from the get-go, they were, they were overbladed and undershaft. And so basically the blade was really strong. The shaft had a nice flex to it. But guides would push it and run, you know, run their 18-foot gear boat or run their, 
their 18-foot four-person drift boat, and they would break the blade off the shaft, or they would, or they would fracture the shaft. And so the concept of blending woods and composites came from Bruce as well, which he was someone who would basically didn't want to just say, you know, had, you had a, a minor crack in a shaft, but the, the ore was mostly still there. He was working with ways to try and figure out how to repair wooden shafts, right? And so his, his plan for repairing wooden shafts was basically, you know, you get the wooden shaft back, pry it apart, glue it back together, clamp it all down, and then overwrap it in fiberglass and reinforce it and and then basically get it back out in the market with some guides and had some kind of product testing and was kind of like at that point came to kind of an aha moment and it was like what if we just actually sent these out of the gate with this reinforcement and voila the uh the overwrap was was uh was built and um and then the square top version basically came about from really just trying to work with the swing weight. And um, you know, we did not invent we did not invent the the concept of a square top. The if you look way back to ores, you know, hundred years ago, there were definitely square top ores because people would not actually round out the upper portion of the ore when they were carving them by hand. Because it was just less, you know, less work, right? Yeah. And so there, square tops always did exist, and we have a a pair that was probably made in the in the fifties, sitting in our in our warehouse, and um, and that was kind of the concept. It was like, hey, this little extra material up top here will help the swing weight, and so the first square top was made, and that was that was almost ten years ago now, and. Um, and you know, at first people were people were a little uh, a little bit kind of cautious, didn't really know what to think about it, and was kind of like, ah, oh, no, you know, I I think ores are supposed to be round, you know, that's how they're supposed to be. But uh, the more and more people wrote them, it was like, hey, this is this is actually this has got something here, and the, that was kind of just blending all those concepts together. So keeping with that really light Dynalite blade. In turn, what, what Bruce figured out is that you could actually diminish mass in the shaft, so you didn't need to have the ore shaft to be the same diameter as a Sawyer Light. You could actually diminish that shaft because you're going to put all this fiberglass and carbon fiber over the top of it. So you could diminish that mass, in turn, taking more weight out of the ore shaft and then leaving a little extra mass above the rowing fulcrum, in turn, the square top was developed as just an ex extremely light swing weight balanced ore without putting any counterbalancing weight into it. So, and that's one of the things that we constantly correct people on is people refer to the square top as a counterbalanced ore. And it's not a counterbalanced ore because a counterbalance would, would mean that you're putting counterweight into the, into the shaft but the counter, it's actually a balanced ore by design, just by having light blade, light shaft, and a little extra heavier um, shaft above the rowing fulcrum, in turn gives it extremely balanced and light swing weight. 
Well, why don't you explain that concept of, of swing weight really quick to our listeners? Because I think that's very essential. I know in the fishing rod world, there's this idea of, oh, you want the lightest blank. But in reality, you want a balanced blank so that it's not fatiguing. And is this a similar concept with swing weight or how would you describe that? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I mean, that used to be, you know, probably back 10, 15 years ago, you know, we used to sell little, uh, little, little ore stands to, to retail shops. Just so you, basically a spot that you could have an ore lock so that you could actually show folks, you know, what, what the swing weight of an ore is. And, yeah. and so, you know, the whole idea is that if you talk about people that row counterbalance composites right and it's like why do you run a counterbalance composite because you're putting more weight in the handle to balance up the weight of the blade so that it has a much easier swing weight and so like that's the concept and if you talk with people about the balancing of their ore by counterbalancing now you take that to wood and basically you're trying to just make it balance in the ore lock and so like one of the things we do when we go to a trade show is uh, we we have like a, just a little a little uh, rowing stand. It's just a tripod with some ore locks on it, and and you know and just so people can actually grab onto that handle and move it into the rope wrap zone and feel just the difference of different oars and different swing weight. And then you know you go like, okay, well if you're gonna fish for six eight hours, you know what are you gonna hold in your hand all day? It's that, that oral handle right there. And so, you know, I mean, it's like kind of bringing that concept to people so they understand what, what the overall, you know, swing weight really is. Yeah, and it makes all the difference on the water. Um, one thing that uh, you mentioned that was interesting is the original owner coming out from Midwest. This West Coast has some, uh, has some incredible um, rivers and places that people flow and um, stuff that people put their oars through here. I don't know if there's anywhere else in the world where people put as much abuse on their, on their oars. So, um, with that in mind, has the West coast drift boat market been hard on oars or how are you guys, how have you guys adapted to that? Well, you know, I mean, we, so Sawyer has always been known as, as a manufacturing company that uses what they build. Right. We've always had we've always had folks in in the in the ownership or in the in the you know the upper management and sales of the of the company that that were experienced in the usage of the product. I myself used to be, you know, a Sawyer customer before I started working here. I ran Sawyer ores for twenty years when I was guiding. And, um, and I always basically would, you know, guiding in Southern Oregon, you had the ability to just come to the factory back in those days. And, um, you know, I always spent some time talking with Bruce, the, uh, the previous owner and, um, you know, just kind of seeing what he had going on. And, and he always wanted to talk with guides to try and get some, you know, some input of what's going on. And so, you know, Sawyer has always had a large, a large um, handful of uh, the market in the guiding industry, and and that has always been used for kind of 
getting feedback on our product and um, we make some some outfitting specific products that other companies don't make and so that's also kind of helped us kind of stay in that market and that's for you know that's for whitewater and for and for fishing and and then also just working with with boat manufacturers a lot of the designs that we build and are our primary designs have come by working with specific boat manufacturers and really just kind of developing a blade profile that they want or a specific version of our oar that they want. And then in turn, when they help us develop a product, they're of course completely engaged with it and fully behind it. And they help sell it to their customer base. And in turn, it just kind of you know, we put that energy into developing a product and then you have like instantaneous folks that are going to be promoting it because they're they're partially engaged with it. That's what makes all the difference um, is listening to the community. And you guys obviously as a company have done that for years. I see so many guides rowing Sawyers and when I ask them, they're just like, oh yeah, these things are great. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the square top really came about and... Um, started where you know we would go to functions where you know there was a lot of guides around in in various um clinics and and um you know like uh just some some of these uh sales events and and we would basically talk with guides and you know especially guides that have been doing it for a long time and they would start telling you about how they have elbow problems and shoulder problems and you know, and it's like, yeah, I'm rowing for, you know, eight hours a day, six, seven days a week. And it's just, it's really wearing on my body. And, and they're starting to look at it as like, hey, you know, this is really getting to be a little too, too hard for me to do all this, this many days. And so we would talk to them about swing weight and try and get them to understand that, you know, I think, you know, that the thing you're holding in your hand all day are the oars, not the fishing rod. So, you know, you should probably, you know, make a little upgrade on your oars. And you would you would get them to understand the, the, the concept of the swing weight of the square top. And they would actually buy a pair of square tops. And then, you know, a year would pass and you would come go to that same event. And those guides would come by and be like, hey, you know, when you were telling me about this, I had so many reservations. I wasn't ready to make that investment. But now that I actually made that investment and really have a nice pair of oars, it adds more hours to my day, more days to my week, and I fully believe that I can guide for more years because I've actually made that investment. And and that's the thing. Like that's that's the piece for us is like it's working. You know, you're like absolutely if we're making a difference for people that are out there rowing for a living then uh, you know that that definitely helps and yeah you know i mean you get guides on your on your on your product and they're fully behind it you know they're they're some of your your greatest patrons you know because like you say you know you run across guides all the time i mean you're out there fishing all the time and and you run across guides all the time and it's one of those things that we just love going on the river and floating down and you see the majority of the people you pass are running some version of our oars you know, oh, yeah. and you're just like, hey, that's that's great. You know, we're doing something right here. Yeah, I was uh, I was hanging out with my buddy Jordan from uh, the YouTube channel Addicted Fishing, and I was telling him you need to get some Sawyer oars, and 
he brought me out to his garage and showed me some square tops already on the raft. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Um, and yeah. uh, and yeah. then I was talking to Big Dave, too, and I was um, Wilson River, and I was like, hey, you know, you ever rode those Sawyer oars or whatever? He's like, yeah, I got square tops on my drift boat right now. And I'm like, oh, okay. Good stuff. Um, it's it's a it's a common theme. These guys that have gone to a lot of different oars, either discovering Sawyer or coming back to Sawyer after you know they had some, and uh, seeing the new models. Now, one particular model that kind of interested me. I went into Clackamas uh, drift boats in Clackamas or in Clackamas there uh, about a week ago and got to hang out with Jake um, Jake Greg there and talk with him. And he was showing me an oar with kind of an X-weave over it and a mountain drift boat blade. And I think he said those were specific to Clackacraft. Can you tell me anything about that model or do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, so so basically the uh, the mountain drift boat blade is a blade that was developed with uh, with Gary Beebe. And uh, Gary, Gary used to be a Clack dealer. He has an operation out in Idaho. And um, and he, he was one of the... the probably the one of the top retailers of of Clackcraft drift boats in Idaho for many years and he's uh, he's since kind of uh, getting into retirement mode but because of that because of his affiliation with Clackcraft that his mountain drift boat profile is only sold through him and through Clackcraft and so so that, that blade, the Mountain Drift Boat blade, is for people that are familiar with Sawyer, the Mountain Drift Boat blade is just a little bit bigger and a little different dimension than a Sawyer shoal cut blade. And, and a lot of people don't realize that the, the Sawyer shoal cut blade and the Mountain Drift Boat blade were developed at the same time. Bruce was working with Gary developing that blade and he had other other boat manufacturers uh, I think Mike out at Stealthcraft out in Michigan had some input on it and they all basically he Bruce was working with these with these drift boat manufacturers and Bruce also had a large kayaking background and so he's kind of like well what you guys are talking about this makes sense to me but basically we're just gonna make an oar blade like a kayak blade and so that's kind of where the <laughs> That's kind of where the shoal cut came from, and and Gary basically had his his ideas for really kind of wanting a little more shoulder on it, and it's kind of got a little different geometry to to a shoal cut, but they're very similar, and um, and that blade in specific in particular was actually first made as as a furlam dynalite, right? So that was one of those furlam dynalites like we were talking about earlier. And the, the ores that you now find at Clackacraft are basically the latest version of that. So those ores are, they have the X-weave overwrap on the shaft. They've got the nice Mountain Drift Boat Dynalite blade. And theirs are actually, I think they're co-branded. So they say Mountain Drift Boat on one side. They say Clackacraft on the other side. And then, little, then both of them say Buy Sawyer underneath that logoing. And so we have kind of a, a trifecta co-brand going on with those ores. But it still has that total lightweight, heavy-duty Dynalite blade. Then the diminished mass in the shaft, which is that furlam-based shaft, overwrapped by the X-weave, and, and in turn, by just cutting down the amount of mass in the shaft, 
basically gives that ore a very nice light flex and feel and in turn a very light swing weight. And so that's that's really where the non-square mountain drift boat um, ore came from. And um, that's an ore we still produce today, obviously for, for Clackett Craft and for mountain drift boat. What would you say is the best kind of um situation or or angling drift boating situation to purchase those oars for what type what type of water so so both the mountain drift boat and the shoal cut really excel in shallow water and and the biggest difference of those blades versus a standard blade is that the blades actually have a top and bottom on them so the blade actually has more more mass below the center line of the shaft than it does above the center line of the shaft. And so in turn, if you're if you're on an inside corner and one oar is only in a couple inches of water and the other oar is out in the fast current in deep water, you're gonna be able to get a good significant pull even on that shallow oar side. And so really those those blade profiles just completely excel in shallow water. And because of that, um, you know, there's several companies out there trying to knock them off, and uh, that's why you see some of these other blades popping up that look a lot like a mountain drift boat or a shoal cut. Hey, if you're doing it right, someone's going to copy it. That's so. right. Like they say, yeah, you know, what is that? Uh, Imitation flattery. Imitation is, uh, is just another form of flattery. Yeah, sincerest form of flattery, for it's sure. Sincerest form, exactly. Yeah. So now, if I were to recommend to a, um, a drift boat angler, like a lot of my buddies who are out here in the winter, they're hard on their gear. What would you say is the good workhorse Sawyer ore? So, so there's a couple things that um, that we kind of go through with folks on when they're when they're choosing their ores, and you kind of you know one of the things is what people want is they they have all these specific points of their of their rowing over the year right and they're kind of like well I, I you know i want an oar that does this really well and i want an oar that does this really well and, and so the first concept that you have to talk with people about is you know what is the water that you row the most and if the most of the water is pretty shallow and technical as you know with our rivers kind of being being low this year you know people are going to run a lot of skinny water so you know, basically we try and kind of find out what they're going to row and then really just kind of what is the, what is the, the uh, level of water? You know, are they running class three, four all the time? Are they running class one, two, white water, you know? I mean, if they're running smaller class rapids, then it comes into more of, you know, let's find an oar that's comfortable to row for eight hours at a time. And so really with the two... With the two square tops is really where we put a lot of a lot of emphasis on the the carbon version of the square top is really for that for that customer that's going to run quite a bit more white water. You know they're going to put some pretty big white water demand on their oars. But if they're just fishing and they're primarily running you know class two plus, then the X weave is actually providing a lot more flex than the carbon version and that really gives it kind of just you know that ore is not going to be as abusive on the body when you're rowing it for eight hours a day seven days a week you know yeah. and then we really have kind of the softest flexing or is the v lamb or 
And that VLAM square top is a, has a soft blade and a soft flexing shaft. But guides sometimes scare, just kind of steer away from those because they look too pretty. You know, so they basically, they look too sexy and they're just like, oh, I can't row these. I'm going to hurt them. But, um, but really, you know, when, when we're talking about square tops, it really does dove nicely into talking about fly rods because really with square tops, we kind of have the three different flexes. And if I have an angler that I'm talking to, I can easily explain to him that, you know, the, the carbon square top is your fast action tip flex. The X-Weave Dynalite is your mid-flex, and then your V-Lam is your full flex, you know? And that's the thing, is basically the carbon square top is pretty stiff, but you have that carbon blade through the carbon shaft, so the shorter oars don't have nearly the flex that, say, a 10-foot oar does. And so, like, you know, definitely people are running much longer oars. We want to kind of push them towards a square top carbon because oh. they've got a lot of, you know, they've got a lot of leverage, right? Yeah. But mostly here in the West, a lot of people are just running nine-foot oars. So in a nine-foot oar, you know, a carbon is not going to flex as much. So then you go down to that Dino X version, they still get that nice stiff carbon Dynalite blade, but a little bit more flex in the shaft with the X-Weave. And so if you figure that there's, when you're loading up the energy in an oar, the blade is not going to have much give, but once you get past the blade, you're going to start to get that little bit of flex and then rebound off each rowing stroke on the X-Weave. And that's your, and that's kind of your mid-flex. When you go to the, the VLAM blade, actually you're going to get the full flex because you have a softer blade and the, and the softer shaft. So when you start to flex a VLAM, the arc of the blade and the shaft is actually almost continuous. And so it just has a nice even flex from the tip of the blade to the handle of the blade. And that's the VLAM square top. And I'd say for, for anybody that really wants that just best feeling wood flex with a square top, that's the one to get. And so, you know, I mean, we really, we do definitely talk a lot of square tops and solid wood oars with folks. And the other thing is that you have to kind of make sure they're aware that, you know, you cannot, you cannot emulate the flex and feel of wood in any composite, right? Because there's, there's junctions in composites. And so they have to be aware of the fact that it's all one piece. And so, you know, if you break a piece off, more than likely, you have to replace the whole thing, and that's a hard concept to get people to understand. And also, some folks are limited because of just how they have to transport things. You know, I mean, yeah. we sell a lot of multi-piece oars to folks in Alaska because they're like, I need to be able to break this thing down and stuff it in a plane. Oh. And, you know, you can't do that with a square top. Yeah. And, and you know, and we've looked at it, you know, multiple times. You know, people are always asking us to, to build a you know a two-piece square top and you know the flex and feel is just it's lost you know i mean the the continuous wood is what really makes that ore all those ores feel the way they do and you know it's just kind of one thing about being able to hold in your hand the same chunk of wood that runs all the way through the ore out to the tip of the blade and explaining yeah. that concept to people are just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. The fact that I'm, 
you know, I'm holding on to the same piece. There's no junction. You know, I mean, in a compositor, ours and all of our competitors, there's a junction at the handle and there's a junction at the blade. And then some of them even have a middle junction. So every one of those junctions, basically you lose the energy that you're trying to transfer to the blade. Yeah, I love it. I mean, the wood wood is a living, breathing thing, essentially, with those unique wood fibers and feel. And obviously, um, I love the, guy, the, the idea that you're building out of Doug fir and the red cedar and such. Um, so that, you know, those wood fibers, you're not going to find that in a man-made uh, material. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. It doesn't, doesn't really come up. It's just not going to feel the same, you know. And, you know, I mean, people all the time, you know, ask me, well, well, what words do you use? And I'm like, well, you got to understand, I, I boat with a quiver. You know, I mean, I, I never go on the river without like, you know, three or four different pairs of oars. And, you know, I mean, I always go on the river and we got multiple boats that I'm just, you know, I'm passing oars out to people I'm boating with. I'm like, hey, try these out for a few miles, you know, let yeah. me know what you think of them. And, and you know, and I might, might, my uh, adult kids boat with me quite a bit and uh, you know I kind of notice that they kind of gravitate to one particular oar or the other you know if we're on the river for like three or four days I kind of just kind of watch and see like yeah you know every morning they just seem to keep grabbing that particular oar when they load out their boat you know and so it's kind of like just kind of always paying attention to what people are are uh, are doing and and you know I mean I I absolutely love wood ores and you know i mean i don't necessarily take take many composites with me when i when i go on multi-day trips because you know i just love that flex and feel the wood ores and um you know i mean if you can if you can actually uh if you can store them and then they fit into your into your boat package or the way that you transport i think the all wood ore is definitely the way to go but um you know, we do have folks that that uh, you know need to have need to be able to take their blades off, and uh, you know for various reasons they they run composites, and and that's uh, you know that's also a, a large part of our business, and so you know we we continue to to make improvements in that as well. Well, you guys you guys do it all. There's a lot of other companies that do one bit or piece, um, and you guys really seem to offer it all. I. I really appreciate you taking the the time to jump on the podcast here with me, Zach. Um, now, uh, is there is there a good place to kind of um, go learn more, kind of in depth, and educate ourselves on these ores? What where would you recommend people go to look more? Well, you know, I would say you know definitely if they uh, if they want to go to our YouTube channel is uh, we definitely have. Uh, been spending quite a bit of time actually uh, doing doing more and more on just doing videos about our products and getting people to uh, kind of engage with with the with what we're doing. And then also, you know, I mean, just really go down to your local your local boat shop and um, you know, really the Sawyer product is something that really needs to be seen. To understand it, you know. I mean, we really encourage people to uh, get out there and uh, touch and feel them, so that you really have an idea of what they are and what you're buying. You know, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us sell online and people buy online, but you know, I mean, we we don't recommend buying anything blind. You know, do your research, and um, you know, if you can support your local shop and go out there and kind of 
check them out. You know, several boat builders throughout the U.S. definitely uh, run Toyers, and so we do have quite a bit of a pit of reputation out there as far as uh, having oars with all of the boat manufacturers, and uh, you know, even the whitewater paddle shops. You know, we do have a lot of a lot of dealers around the country that um, you know carry a large selection of our oars, and um, you know, and so I really encourage people to get out there and kind of. You know, go visit one of your local shops and and just check them out. You know, test out that flex and feel and and you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of boat builders and even paddle shops now that they they maybe don't have a little specific you know isolated area set up for swing weight testing, but just in any shop, usually they have a drift boat sitting on the sales floor or they have a raft sitting on the sales floor with an oar lock in it. Just ask them, hey, I'm really interested in this oar. Do you mind if I set it in this oar lock or can you do it for me so I can actually just see what the swing weight is? And I encourage everyone to go out there into any retail store and ask some salesperson about swing weight because that's really what they need to be telling you about. Totally. And uh, for anyone that's in the Portland area or Southwest Washington, go check out Clackercraft Drift Boats there in Clackamas. Um, uh, Oregon, which is where I am able to go look at the oars in person and such. Um, and like, like you said, in, in, you know, basically any boat shop with, uh, that sells oars, you guys are, are well distribu- distributed in, uh, in good boat shops. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we, uh, we've definitely been working with almost every major boat manufacturer in the U S and um, you know we have we are fortunate to have many of them here in the western u.s but uh, also throughout the country you know we have a lot of boat builders in montana boat builders out east you know there's uh, quite a few boat builders in the in the eastern u.s and you're starting to see more and more of uh, people rowing rowing rivers out east that uh, is definitely something that's growing and and even people are starting to row whitewater rivers out east as well, which, you know, it used to be more of a paddle boat mentality out east, but uh, people are realizing that, hey, if I have this small little raft and I put oars on it, I can run it by myself. I don't need to have three or four other people to go with me to paddle it. I can just row it, and it's my own my own entity, and um, people really love that freedom, you know, and so there's definitely a lot of options out there for folks and all these little small boats that are out there available. You know, it's just amazing how many, how many ways there are to get out on the water. And um, definitely we have seen a lot of, a lot of interest in the outdoors through the last year or so. So um, definitely encourage people to go visit your local shop and, uh, you know, check out some of this new product that's out there. A hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Zach. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, um, everybody, if you guys uh, get a chance to go check out the the Sawyer website or their, um, like uh, Zach was saying, the actual boat shops themselves to take a look, go take a look. Um, And thanks again for listening to the Salmon Trout Steelheader podcast. And may um, if you guys have any comments or anything you want to hear about, please let us know. Thanks again, Zach. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you much, Lucas. We'll talk to you later. We'll see you on the river. Will do. All right. I'll see you soon, Zach. I'm going to come on down to Southern Oregon and do some fishing. All right. Sounds great.